Hello and welcome to Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan and Louise Fletcher. Now, if you have unsold work adding up, then today's podcast is for you because we are discussing how to hold a studio sale, what work you might want to include, how to decide on discounts, the different types of sales you could hold and why creating a coupon code is not the best way to do it. Today's call is a little different. Louise isn't with me today. I have recently held my first ever studio sale and today I am joined by Fee Dixon-Reed. Now, Fee is a member of the Connected Artist Membership Club, which I run, and this is an excerpt of a recent call we had within the club. Fee's sales have evolved over the last five years, so she has a lot of experience to share. So if the idea of selling 34 paintings within 48 hours sounds something you'd like to work towards, we hope sharing our experience of the different types of studio sales and the things you might want to consider will help you. This is one you're going to want to take notes on and hopefully it gives you a taste of just one element you might find in the Connected Artists Club. If you want to find out more about joining us, head on over to alicesheridan.com and look for the For Artists page. And if you want to find more about Fee's work, you will find her website at Fee Dixon Reed and scroll down for the show notes and there will be links to both of those places. Meanwhile, grab that pencil and get stuck in quite a busy call. Um, We have got a lot to get through on holding a studio sale and I could think of no better person to come and ask. I've got Fee Dixon-Reed joining me. She's more experienced at this than I am. Fee's been doing this for a number of years with mixed results, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or rather mixed experiences, shall I say, good results good results but 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 mixed experiences so we wanted to share that with you we're going to be sharing some how-tos and also just some things that you might want to consider we've got quite a lot to get through but before we get into that Thee can you just tell everybody a little bit about where you are what kind of work you paint how long you've been painting just to give this a little bit of background context at the moment, um, I paint big, aggressive sleeveskates. Um, I'm quite commercial, I have to say. Um, so I do sell a lot of work every year. I've been doing this since 2014, pretty much, um, since my kids were babies. So the build, business has grown as my children. Capacity grows every year. Yeah. And my ability to do things like sales has grown every year. So yeah. it's been building up. I started my, did a first sale about five years ago, I think. And it was very impromptu. And I've learned a lot on the way as I've sort of built it up every year. So quick run through of fees. Um, first one, impromptu on Facebook. Do you want to tell us very briefly? This this one really was impromptu. It was Black Friday. I was home alone. I was a bit bored. I had a glass of wine. I thought I'd sell some paintings. And really I just put them up on my Facebook page and people came and bought them and the minute somebody bought one I would find another one to put up and it was as simple as wandering around the house and going oh god I've had this one for ages I'll I'll, I'll sell that what can I do next and it was completely random but it did work you know so it doesn't have to be all singing and dancing it can be as simple as that just say I'll have a sale and that's it. Yeah, I think it's important. And I love this bit. All six pieces sold. And at the end of the day, you were 
however much money, whatever you were selling them for, just for a few hours that evening, when you felt like it, when you were in the mood. So there wasn't a lot, there was no notice for people, which was one of the things that kind of came back to bite you a little bit, that you got some mm. stick from people who didn't, who didn't know in advance. And I can imagine, like I always encourage you to think about what it's like to be on the receiving end. If an artist you really love, if you wake up the next morning and you've missed it, like that's not so that's not so great such a great feeling um Faye is asking do you remember how many followers on Facebook you had at the time I think probably about 1500 and I didn't have an Instagram at that point I don't think okay. or I had a tiny one so you but don't I, need a huge amount of followers really no but it's a question of where they're engaged and in your bigger notes you mm -hmm. said look remember this was 2018 Facebook pages at that point that was the place that these things were happening people were quite active on Facebook and presumably at the time you just did photos yeah absolutely yeah. I mean I, I don't think lives even existed then so it was yeah. just photos and yeah. lots of chat yeah, things have moved on. Um, just wanted to kind of put, put that a little bit in context. Right, the next one then, a couple of years later, during lockdown, I did a lockdown um, auction, which I've left out of this. But I think, again, there was an element, everybody was stuck at home and with a charitable donation. So this was on Facebook, but a little bit more organised this time. So what was different? Well, much more organised. I think the charity thing was so important at that point because we felt all felt a bit lost and it was giving people a way to give almost, you know, because it was 20% going to charity. It was quite a big chunk. Mm. And I think that made a huge difference. Also, people were bored. They were sitting at home, you know. So I did give people a bit of notice, but I didn't have a mailing list at that point. So it was just, you know, this is going to happen in a few days. It was technically tricky that one because 25 pieces to go out over an evening on Facebook was tough. Comments would come in at different times so somebody would think they'd bought it and they hadn't and th there was a little bit of difficulty there you know there's a lot of friction there so not not the easiest one to do. I would say if you're going to do it in social purely keep it small scale. 25 yeah. paintings on social too many <laughs> so too that's much. a lesson learned for that one. You know. Yeah, so too too much to keep track of. And also, again, from the buyer experience, they don't know necessarily if they've got it or not. So if you think about, right. you know, buying something that you really love, particularly if you're getting it for a great price, part of the enjoyment is that, oh, oh, goody, I've got it. And if there's that, there could be a little bit of apprehension about it that makes it exciting. But it's a fine line between, well, I don't know if this is working or not. Did I did I did I get that one that she just put up or should I be offering another one? So a little bit of complications there. And I think also your other point about timing is really important. You can't control what everybody's doing. You can't possibly know what they're doing in their busy lives. But is this a good thing to be doing? Like you mentioned Black Friday earlier. How do you feel about Black Friday? Do you want to be contributing to the noise when everybody might be desperately trying to get other things or avoiding their computers and their emails altogether on Black Friday? I would say timing as well. Think about the timing after the sale. If you do it two weeks before Christmas, you're going to spend the two weeks on the run up to Christmas delivering paintings, doing invoices. Yeah. You've got to remember to have that period of time afterwards. I always run my summer one two weeks before the summer holidays start. So I have time to do it all before the holidays begin. Yeah. Quite an important one, I think. 
So the next one, uh, a year later, you had a website. Um, <laughs> you did it through the website and a newsletter by now, but still no e-commerce on the website. So this was still done fairly manually. How did you work this one? Basically, everybody came in and bought it on the website, but they didn't pay for it there and then. You, you can do a thing on your website where you take manual payment, um, which yeah. is what I was doing at that point. So they did have time to change their mind, which was deliberate on my part. I wanted people to have a chance to come and have a look and change their mind. I don't anymore, but I did then. <laughs> yeah. um, it was actually a bad idea to do that because once the sale's over, it's over. You know, you can't sort of say, oh, here we go. Nobody wanted this one. It's back on sale. The whole mm-hmm. idea of a flash sale is keep it for 40 hours max, you know. Um, doing the website was a lot easier because people could just go on and buy. On the whole, that that was a really nice and easy one, apart from doing all the invoices afterwards. That was a pain. That was what I okay. learned in that one. Okay, so your website is on Wix. So this was yes. set up as a shop, but the but the shop just didn't take the payments. You just had manual Absolutely. payment. So you had to send yeah. the invoices afterwards. Um, but with more notice, um, encourage people to sign up so that they got the passcode for this password protected page. 500 subscribers in a couple of weeks. So yeah. these people were coming in by now, I'm guessing, through Instagram and an audience on Instagram, the new signups. And Facebook groups. I've Facebook said this groups. in the past. I use Facebook groups a lot. And I would go into my local groups and say, I'm going to have the sale. Come and sign up. And people did. And it was a great way to launch the mailing list because people had a reason to sign up. And then they might have unsubbed afterwards. That's fine. But you got them in yeah. the door. And I think what's also interesting about this was a, was a bit of a heavy emphasis on the local element. So you mentioned people could come and see them. So although the yeah. initial here they are was online um, and people could make a choice, maybe to save them the journey, you gave people the option to come and see them in your studio. A, saves on packing and postage. Mm-hmm. but on balance you think is that is that again does that just become something else to manage afterwards communicate with people about and probably not worth absolutely. it absolutely yeah. um yeah the the whole weekend I'd, you're never going to avoid this completely having a sale online there will be local people they will want to come and see things but it was quite intense couple of days trying to get everybody to come and see it and decide it. And I was actually still doing Zoom calls at that point, letting people see things on Zoom. Yeah, I think there is something nice in in local. We'll, we'll get onto this when we get to mine. And the ability, it does kind of galvanise people, doesn't it? This is the thing about having an event like this, is even if people do know of you, they know that you're nearby, they've been following you, it kind of spurs them into action a little bit. It's not just because there's a discount, there's a, by creating an event for a set period of time, it kind of gets people going a little bit. It's a way of creating a buzz. And I think that's one of the main reasons to do sales is it's exposure. It's it's giving you a chance to get, you get excited in the run up and that shows in your socials and it comes across and everybody gets, comes along with you, you know. And it's hard to do that without any events. That's why we need these big rock events that you talk about, isn't it? It's it's ways to push ourselves as well as other people forward. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the last one then that you've done, June of this year, so we're up to date now. 
on the website with automation. So you repeated this kind of this is coming, sign up to get information, um, hit your subscriber target on that. And they had the password for a few days and um, subscribers got ac early access for the first day and payments were taken online. You got it all nailed by this time. It was mm -hmm. all perfect. What could go wrong? What went wrong? <laughs> eight o'clock hit and my website crashed right. <laughs> and it took about 10 minutes to for it to come live again it was just and I was getting messages on Instagram on Facebook email everywhere even Twitter I found out later I never go on Twitter I found I had messages on Twitter I can't go on your website because these have been very successful for you each time how did you decide how much to discount um the the paintings by Oh, um, I like to give people some really big discounts, maybe 50% off, not on every piece. Every piece had a different kind of discount. I also like to put in two or three new pieces into the sale just to make it that little bit more exciting for people that, you know, there's a brand new complete belter that nobody's seen before and it's on sale and it just gives it an, a little extra buzz. So they might only be discounted 10, 20%. But yeah. I do feel that we should all be doing our prices that, you know, that gallery commission is an extra 40% on. So even if you give a 40 or 50% on, even if you give them 50% off, you're still making what you would make selling it through a gallery. Yep. So you have to keep that in mind, I would say. Yep. I wanted to talk about that first before we came on to my sale. Um, so I did one again, September 2022. I had an in-person part over the weekend. So I didn't give online access first um, because part of the reason was I wanted to make it easy for people. I, di I didn't, easy for me rather, I didn't want to have loads of image uploading for, for smaller pieces. We're going to get onto how you decide what to put in the sale uh, in a minute. So I wanted to do an in-person event first. And there was also another reason why I wanted to do that. Then I had a day's gap and then an online version for six days. So a slightly different approach to fee. I didn't have like a 48 hour flash sale. I wanted it to feel a little bit more relaxed for people. It just felt like if I if I was talking about two types of promotion in person and online, I didn't want them both to feel pressured. So I had 34 items for sale in this one, a mix of older work, mainly large ones that I kind of wanted to move. And some of those, again, had big discounts, 800 pounds off. I had some studio pieces that had just never been for sale. There were some that was an odd one or two that was a lovely painting, but the frame was different and some works, small works on paper. So in total, I sold 27 items. So, you know, it's definitely, definitely, I think worth doing. Uh, somebody is asking, can you do this if you sell through galleries? Do they mind? I do. I do a fair amount of selling through galleries, and but I'm quite careful. If I've had a solo show in January, uh, I won't put work from that show on sale because I feel that's unfair yeah. to the gallery. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I think you need to be mindful. I would never take something that I've got back from a gallery last week and then put it on sale because yeah. that that's not fair to them at all. So, yeah. but yeah, I my gallery owner comes and buys things at my sales every time. So, you know, yeah. She, yeah. she's all for it. 
I think this comes down to as well the timing of it. If you're doing this all the time, like every season, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to become the DFS of your own art. That's not a great idea. That's going to be where we get into you know, people being hesitant about buying your work at full price. But, you know, Fee was talking about, it goes all the way back to, she's done, you know, one a year. It's not a super regular thing. The timing of it also changes. So people aren't thinking, oh, okay, I won't buy this painting that I've seen that I love now because she'll be having her summer sale and it will definitely be reduced. So there's also something about not just doing a blanket discount on everything, choosing the pieces that are going to be in the sale so that it doesn't put people off buying work at full price. Great comment here. Um, How do clients that have paid full price feel? Um, Most of my collectors that maybe have five or six pieces they might buy from the sale, they might not, but they're just as likely to come and buy something full price next week. You know, I don't think people work like that because paintings are so individual. You know, there's no guarantee that something they love will be in the sale. Um, again, it's it's about being careful. If you've sold something full price to a collector, don't put something identical in the sale two weeks later, you know, or yeah. something very similar. You know, you've got to be mindful of, of what they've bought at what price. But I have never, ever had a collector say to me, oh, I'm upset you're having a sale. I should have waited. Mm. Never. Mm. Mm. And actually, I think, and you mentioned this in your full notes as well, often what can happen is the sale can pull people in and then they can see and they can. So I have somebody and they bought one that was reduced and a large one at full price as well. You know, the two together balanced each other off. They didn't ask for a discount on the one that wasn't reduced. But altogether, you know, they were happy for it. Um, so that helped too. Um, Paulette saying, I don't do sales, but I do auction every now and again. Collectors love it and they get chuffed that they managed to bag an original like a golden ticket. Okay, let's crack on. So... Which route should you take? So some of the questions to ask yourself are perhaps how big is your audience? And we're going to go a little bit through the pros and cons of that. Um, If it's really small, then obviously you don't need to worry about things like your website crashing, but it might affect your capacity to respond to comments individually. Actually, sometimes you have an advantage with a smaller audience is that you can do things a little bit more easily, a little bit more responsibly. And what is your capacity and your technical know-how, both for timing, the setup, and for which route you're going to take? So think as well about what you're going to be doing with these pieces afterwards. So for some of them, they might already be on your website, in which case it's really easy to pull them into a sale category, to discount them. You've done all the uploading of the image work. They're already there, they're on your website. That's quite easy to do. If it's a lot of new work or studio type work that has to be photographed and uploaded, those two things, two different types of work might help you choose which is going to be more applicable. And you might perhaps not want to mix and match them. You could do two different sales at two different dates. So one that is discounting of work that is already on your website and one that is more a studio sale, informal work on paper that you do on social in the spring. So what structure you're using is going to depend on your technical know-how and your capacity to put it all together. 
Okay, so we're going to go through now three key routes with a bit of pros and cons. So for a social only option, and I've got Twitter, Instagram and Facebook there, um, I would pick one main platform. Would you agree? Absolutely. Trying to do it in twos, just too tricky. Yeah. I think if you're trying to manage responses from people, Mm -hmm. um, it's quite hard to keep track. So you need to make sure that you're looking for that if you're inviting DM replies from from people. Um, So you can post the images daily or you could put them all in a carousel, uh, depending on how many that you've got. I think the advantage of this, obviously, is that it's simpler to put together. It can work if you've got a small or a large audience, if you're feeling a bit kind of impromptu. I think one of the big advantages is that it's really easy to include video. You know, you could do stories which you could save to a highlights reel. It kind of makes a work come alive in a way that's a little bit easier to do than putting lots of videos up on your website. Um, And that can be a real big selling point, but definitely better if you've got fewer pieces. And I was going to ask your view on this, Fee. Do you think this works better if they're lower cost because people are more likely to be impulsive? Or do you think this could work for higher price pieces too? I think it could work for both, to be honest. Um, Yeah, lower cost is definitely easier for that kind of thing. But um, I, I don't see why it wouldn't work for high pieces. It, it's worked for me in the past for high high price pieces, definitely. Yeah. Okay. That's um, worth knowing. I think the concerns of this are that you still need to publicize this. Whatever whatever option you do, you still need to publicize it. And social media is going to be one of the ways that you do that. And I think that there could be a risk that if you're doing a lot of talking about the event beforehand, by the time it comes to posting the images that are for sale, perhaps you risk a little bit of what I've called post fatigue. Now, you know what it's like on social when people interact with a post, it gets better reach, you know, more people see it. If every if there will always be a certain percentage of your audience who maybe aren't that interested in buying at the moment. And if all you're talking about is your sale and they stop interacting, your post reach is going to drop. I think, I think one, um, have a little spreadsheet, no matter how, even if you're only selling four pieces on Instagram, have the spreadsheet with all the details about the paintings, who's messaged, who's bought it. You might have somebody, for example, that says, oh, I love this one. I missed out on it. Can you please let me know if you do anything else like that? In the heat of the sale, you'll forget completely. Mm. And that's a potential buyer there, you know, um, who might be happy to pay full price in the future. So spreadsheet it all. Do yeah. do analysis, do a spreadsheet. Uh, next thing, I, I've never done this, but one way you could do it is, is through a live, an, an actual live auction. So you, I think you would need help with this, somebody to check the comments while you're talking. But it could be quite fun to do that and just stand up there in front of the paintings, talk about them, auction them off live you know social media has given us so many more opportunities to do things in new ways I don't I don't even know if you could do it in TikTok who knows I think auction is 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 a really nice thing I know we've got posts in the Facebook group about auctions if you if you search I think it is more complicated to set up I think if you haven't done um sales as much I would recommend that you start with a sale rather than an auction first just because Mm -hmm. the logistics are a little bit um, more complicated Uh, question here 
How honest should you be with your audience about the reason for your sale? I'm having a clear out sale or having a flash sale. Do you think it matters? Um, I would be a little bit careful about the words that you use. I don't think art should be precious, but I do think you should do your best to make it still feel like something that people will treasure. People are still going to want to be buying something that they enjoy and appreciate and look after. So I would be careful of discount, clear out personally. I would spend a little bit of time looking at the words. I think flash sale is really nice. But the reasons for having it, I think, yeah, you can be honest about it. How did you come to the feeling of what words you used? This is one of the reasons that I often actually have a charitable element with sales because it takes away from that pressure of, oh, I'm just trying to get rid of all my old work. It's more about I'm trying to raise money for a good cause. And I am trying to raise money for a good cause. There's nothing more satisfying than giving a lot of money to, you know, uh, food banks or whatever after a sale. But it does allow you to be a little bit more flexible with your language that you're doing it for a reason rather than just to kind of line your own pockets um I also talk a lot about how much I love certain paintings and I want them to find a home rather than lie in my basement basically and yeah yeah you know sometimes it takes a long time for paintings to find a home sometimes yeah they they need a little push and and this is a way to get it and that's the kind of language I use clear out I think hmm, it's, it's tricky you can sort of say I'm overflowing. I need to make room. But clear out sounds a little bit like junk, junk sale. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. Alice says, I think you have to be a little careful with your language and, and very considered with it. Um, I think, you know, you could be using, you could say, like I said with mine, you know, some, you know, there are some paintings here that were part of a previous series. I'd love to give you, you mm. know, so they don't get a lot of airtime, but they're lovely paintings. I'd love to give you the opportunity to get your whole you know get your hands on one or choose one of these that might be right for you we know that there are older paintings that sometimes sit on our website for a couple of years and then people buy them it's yeah. just a way to shine a spotlight on some of those paintings so I would go about it from that point of view rather than I'm overflowing you don't you don't want to give the impression that you've got a lot of work that just isn't that just isn't selling so option two that you could do uh, if you don't have full e-commerce is do it via your uh, mailing list um, and just invite people to reply back to you. So it encourages people to come onto your mailing list to get email signups and you would include all the images in your email just and invite them to reply back with the painting that they want to buy. So you would list them, show them all with the prices. So this works even without a website or with a website, but if you don't have e-commerce on it yet, this is how I did early sales when I had a website, but I didn't have e-commerce yet. What's nice about it is you could make the replies personal. Um, and I think also this can feel less exposing. You haven't put all your work up available for everybody to see. So in terms of feeling like people are judging you, no one's knowing what's sold or what hasn't sold, this can feel a little bit less exposing for, for you. I think that's one of the real advantages for this. However, you're going to be attached to your emails. It can be a little bit harder to manage. Um, you'll probably be on that permanent email refresh button that could be a little bit disappointing. And I think some people 
would be hesitant to contact you. There, without a doubt, there are people who just like to buy without having the conversation. And again, we're back to this idea of is it as a buyer a little bit frustrating if they don't get an immediate response back as the one that they've inquired about? They've actually, you said, yes, perfect, that's yours. I do find though with email, I think people are far more likely to reply on socials. People don't really like replying to newsletters. It's, it's almost it's a funny thing even when a newsletter is asking me for an opinion and I have an opinion I'm worried about replying I, mm. and I do feel that it's it's a funny one that yeah. also you could end up with a, one of those things where you know sometimes if it, if it's negotiated it takes three or four emails for somebody to decide whether they're buying or not if you're having that with four different people about one painting that can become quite stressful and overwhelming to manage you know and people yeah. can't see if it's sold or not. So they keep emailing and yeah, it's yeah. doable, but I'm not sure it'd be the easiest way to do it. I think if you were doing this, if you did this over a period of say four days, you could certainly get around the people keep emailing about the same painting one by sending out an update, couldn't you? Mm. So if you had an, a nice initial response to it, um, say you had seven paintings for sale and three sold within the first day, send another email that says these three paintings have now sold, you know, there's four still available, that's going to stop people emailing you about the same painting. Most people don't go back into their email inbox after about a day. So I think if you're going to do this, you probably have to be prepared to email people every day mm -hmm. about it. Are you going to run the risk that some people unsubscribe at that point? Possibly. But actually, if they're not interested in buying your work, even when you're offering a really nice discount on it, then maybe you haven't lost that much anyway. So don't worry about too much. You know, if, you, if you're here and you want to sell work and people need to know about it, you've got to be prepared to tell them about it more than once. OK, so then the next version uh, is to do it on your website using your e-commerce. This is obviously all automated. You've got your sales records there. Probably better with a good following. You need to drive people to your website. People aren't just going to find your website. So you still got to do the work. Create a lot of build up. Yeah, you, this point about you have to be confident about mailing people and letting them know more than once. Now, the downsides of it is that it's public. It's easy to see if work hasn't sold. So if it's day three of your sale and you've got quite a lot up there and nothing has sold yet, other people who come on at that point might be a bit like, oh, I don't, we all feel this. We, we all know this. Like if you're choosing a restaurant to go and eat, the best restaurant with the best food might be down the road but you're more likely to go to the one that's got people sitting in the window and have already chosen it it's just the way psychology works so this that's a little bit of a downside if you haven't really got an established audience or following yet yeah even if you do uh, yeah just say quickly in the last sale that I did I, I put up far too many pieces mm -hmm. so I, I still sold maybe 25 something like that very quickly but there was a lot left and that doesn't look mm. good, you know, mm. so that is worth being aware. Don't put too much up um, because, yeah, it is embarrassing if you've got tons of stuff still for sale at the end of the sale. Yeah. Sorry. Carry yeah. On. <laughs> so this comes back to the, the reviewing what you've got and, you know, how would you feel about it? Um, I think from that point of view, it's definitely worth including some that, you know, are, are really easy 
easy decisions. Remember, you could always add more into the sale if things sell. You can't take things away. So if you've put up 20 pieces and none of them have sold, that's not going to look great. If you start with six pieces or 10 pieces and three of them have sold, you can then say, actually, I've just added another three pieces to the sale. You could do it that way around if they if they sell. There's definitely a danger of thinking I'm doing a sale. I'll get any old thing and put it in at a discount and people will buy it. And I, I think you need to be really careful not to do that. One thing that I've also put here is we should be doing this anyway. But this is really important, particularly at this time. I think check how your page looks on a mobile. We're talking about something that's quite quick response. We're inviting people to make a decision quite quickly. Most people, particularly in that instance, will be looking at the page on their mobile phone. Can they see the images clearly? Is your checkout system working well? Is it clear which button they have to press to buy? All of those kind of things. How much scrolling do they have to do to get to the pieces that they want? Make it really clear and simple and absolutely check how that, how that website looks um, on the mobile. Um, somebody's asking here, um, on the build-up, should you tell people what the price of the painting will be or leave it until the day you launch? What would you do? I know what I'd do. I like to leave it surprise. Um, I will maybe lead with one piece and say, amazing piece is going to have this huge discount on it. But that's all. You know, people, I don't even tell people what paintings will be included. They need to nope. turn up and find out. Yeah. And there is that then element of surprise for people, which makes it fun, you know. Yeah. I think um, and what I'll share with you, actually, let's do that in a minute, is how you're going to do this visually, because you don't want to give everybody everything. You need to tease them into turning up mm -hmm. to see what there is. So the simplest way, of course, is just to create a coupon. If you've got e-commerce, just create a coupon code. Um, you can set an expiry date. You could make it just free shipping if you want. That's probably not enough incentive, but it might be. It's a, but that's a promotion more than a sale. You can set it to be for a certain category only. So we're going to go into that now, how you would do that on an e-commerce basis. The downside of this is that same rate would apply to all products. And also when people come onto the website, all they see is the full price. They don't see that coupon code discount until they check it out and add it into their basket. And so it's not contributing to that decision of, oh, here is a painting. I'm suddenly going, look, look, actually, this is a really good time to buy. I've been seeing my eye on that and I've got 200 pounds off. That's not going to happen until it's in their basket. So, yes, this is a really easy way to do it. And I just wanted to mention it. But there are some downsides to doing it this way as well, kind of psychologically. And then within the lesson in the membership, we had a section where I shared the pages that I had created on my website, how I put the studio sale together within the e-commerce system by selecting the items and setting up the discount codes, all the different pages that you need to put together for the sale, uh, for what to do when the sale ends, and also sharing the emails that I sent out to people in advance of the sale. Now that's not going to make so much sense for you on a podcast, but we're going to move into the steps that you need to take next. If putting together a studio sale is sounding like something you want to do, we're going to give you the next steps to take here. 
However, if this is sounding like the kind of thing that would be useful to you, this kind of conversation is something that would help you grow your artistic business as part of your development as an artist, then the Connected Artist membership will be opening later in November. So if you want to find out about that, head over to alicesheridan.com artists and you'll see there a place where if you click the link for Connected Artists, you can sign up and make sure that your name is on the wait list. Right, let's move into the steps to take for putting together your studio sale. First thing, I think, review the work that you want to include. Is it existing finished work from previous collections? Um, get any unfinished things ready. Have you got frames that you want to use? Sort through work on paper. You can include things you may not normally sell. That is sort of the point of it. But make sure your quality control is in place still, please. I might just jump in there. Um, just, I always include a lot of sketches because until recently I didn't do prints. And this was the only way that people who liked my work, who couldn't afford a big piece, could afford something was to buy a sketch. And I don't normally sell sketches just during the sales, but it does give you the chance to give that different price point to people, mm. um, which you might not normally have. So that's a good reason to to do work on paper, I think. Yeah. Write down everything that you that you need to know. Every time somebody asks you a question about that, add it to your notes, because there will be things perhaps that you might not have considered that people will ask how it's actually going to operate. Try and write it out. If you can't explain it to yourself clearly, you won't be able to explain it to everybody else clearly. So once you've decided what you're going to do, write the copy for it. And if something is not clear to you, you need to go back and have a look at how that's going to work. Make it clearer. Maybe you're going to leave something out. Maybe you need to streamline your process a little bit more. Um, decide how you're going to discount, what you're going to discount and how much. We've already spoken about not necessarily discounting everything by the same amount. And on that, again, how you phrase it matters. Now, this apparently makes a big difference. So if the percentage is over 20%, use the percentage. A percentage less than 20% apparently is psychologically not enough to motivate people. It's not enough of a change. So for example, if you've got something that's reduced from 60 to 40 pounds, say over 30% off, that sounds better than 20 pounds discount. If it's a larger amount, you want to highlight the value of the discount. So save £800 on large paintings, okay? Just worth thinking about how you phrase and how you're going to apply your discounts. Okay, so step two, get all of your images of the work ready for the sales page, for the website page, but also have them on your phone if you're doing, just for doing promotions to them um, so that you can do posts on the fly without having to go image hunting. Put them together, maybe in an album on your phone. Once you have something in an album, and you can access them really easily. It does make it so much quicker because you're not going, where was that painting? Particularly if we're talking about paintings that might be from a while ago. So spend that time in advance because when the sale is on, you're likely to be busy and you don't want to be frantically finding that image again from three years ago. Um, prepare as much as you can, descriptions, sizes, prices, put that into a spreadsheet that you can access from or notes or whatever's easy for you. So that if somebody, if you're out shopping and someone says, yeah, how much is that painting? If it's not listed on your website, make sure that you're including as much of that information 
when you're sharing about the work, because the more that you share, the less people will come back to you with questions. There is an advantage sometimes when people come back to clarify a, a, a detail is that it opens up the conversation, but you don't want to not be able to manage it for everybody. Step three, create any graphics. Think about the mood you want to create. So do you want this to be kind of summer, colorful, light? Do you want it to be cozy, wintry, inclusive? Do you want it to be cheap and cheerful even? You know, do you want it to be elegant and refined and just a few select pieces? Think about the mood that you want to create because you will need some graphics. You will need in advance what you're going to put in mailing lists, um, some image, that is not necessarily just a full on picture of your painting. So take some photographs, corners, edges, details, little bits of work, and think about the type and the color that you want to use. I called mine a happy studio sale. That was just end of summer. I used that kind of yellow that was in keeping with my website, but I focused that so that it stood out a little bit. It was in keeping, but it stood out a little bit. Write that page copy, get back to that intentions idea. Emails, you can do a little bit on the go. I've given you links to mine, but it will make you feel more settled if you have at least an outline in advance of what you want to include in each one. Can I add Promot one little thing? Yes, go. Oh, this is probably a good place to do it actually, is um, if you're doing one that's actually in your studio, as in not just online, think about signage locally, as in street signage. Mm -hmm. And it it's, might sound a bit daft, like Persian rug site sales type thing, yes. but it does actually work having signs out there in the street as well as as well as um, online. Basically, we've had some random people turn up and buy from that in the past. Yeah, I did um, a couple of things for mine. So I actually got my studio uh, registered on Google Maps, which was really quite easy to do. Um, I did a vinyl banner, a printed vinyl banner, which cost me something like £15. I didn't include any dates on it so I can use it again. I kept it fairly neutral with my name, studio sale and a little section of the image. And I used some of that image that fo the photographs of that in the social promotion so that when people turned up because do you remember one of my concerns was that my studio is in a fairly ropey industrial area like i didn't want people coming in feeling uneasy i wanted people whether if they were coming up the street feeling a little bit uneasy oh phew yeah there's the sign i've seen that on instagram i've seen that in alice's email we're in the right place good you know, there's a change in feel and I can use that again and again. So um, I think for in-person sales, that's really worth doing. But, you know, keep those things reusable. Send lots and lots of invitations, personal invitations as well. I didn't have a huge number of people come to my in-person studio sale. But on the Saturday, people came with intention. There was a queue at one point um, and almost everybody who came through the door bought something. So this doesn't have to be huge numbers of people. People are motivated and they'll come. So don't discount doing something in person if you do have a, a local audience. Um, and then you did this post on Facebook buy and sell and Facebook market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely random. I never expected to, it to go anywhere. In fact, I thought I'd get lots of nuisance calls from it. You know, the marketplace yeah. is a pretty horrible place. But actually lovely lady bought a huge painting so yeah um it, it any, any random place that you can think of is good 
I did an interview in local radio recently, um, a sort of 10-minute interview, and they've said to me, oh, well, you know, when you're doing your next open house, let us know, and we'll pop it on the radio every, you know, every day for a week beforehand. So wow. think about little things like that, you know, yeah, random things. Uh, one question here, is it best to start the sale over the weekend or an evening? I think so, because I think if people are busy at work, it's hard to check in. And I also think people are in that sort of home mentality. I, I like to do mine on a Thursday evening, randomly. There we go. Um, towards the end of the week, people are, are feeling a little bit happier yeah. than they are at the start of the week. Friday night, they might be out. Sometimes yeah. I do it on a Friday night, but... You know, I think people are a little bit more spendy towards the end of the week when they're more likely to have a drink in their hands, quite frankly. That's why I like to do evening as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I think the thing about evenings is, you know, if it, it again, it depends on people's buying patterns, doesn't it? But some people like to agree. I don't. I just buy what I... <laughs> by what I like and my husband has to look at it regardless but uh some people like to discuss these things and choose together so if two people are together if you can catch two people together evenings and weekends are going to be best so that was a lot we covered a lot I think key things are automate as much as you can um hold your nerve a little bit with it while it's ongoing you know there will be a little bit of a flurry at the beginning then it might go quiet and there will be a little bit of a flurry at the end if you remind people. You must keep reminding people while it's on. Don't be nervous about inviting people to come and have a look again. Um, and just keep telling them that it's on. And I think you don't have to do a big all singing, all dancing e-commerce sale to begin with. Start small. Start with just a, a, a small number of pieces and work your way up. I think that's why Fee sharing all the different versions that she has done throughout this, there'll be something in there that you can choose. All right, so any other questions, keep asking them. So if you've been watching on replay, um, you can ask below. You, Fee's in the group, you can tag her um, and keep an eye out for all of this will be in the hub once it gets uploaded. So thank you for being with us. And I hope this has given you a lot to think about and some steps to go away and start doing, even if you're not going to be doing this now, even if you're starting to think about this maybe in spring or something like that, gives you enough time to plan it, takes the panic out of it um, and just just do it a nice easy way but I think from both of us this is something you will do again oh absolutely I love it I get buzz out of doing it it's fun yeah yeah I mean you're quite prolific with your work you work so you know there's a lot of work that you can draw on but I will definitely do it again I'm not sure when it might not be for another two years but I will definitely do it again as well so I want to finish by saying a huge thanks to Fee. The idea for this call was kickstarted by a very generous and open post that she shared within the membership. And we built that out um, to create this call with everybody. And that spirit of sharing and learning together and learning from each other's experiences, mistakes, testing and trying things is what the membership is all about. So um, it's lovely to be joined by artists who are really experienced by fee, as well as artists who are a little bit more at the beginning of their journey. There is space within the membership for everybody. I hope you've enjoyed listening this week and we look forward to talking to you again next week soon. That's it. Happy painting.